What's up, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of Dipped in Tone. I'm Rhett. I'm Zach. Okay. What's new? Man. Man so many things. I think the, the, the brunt of the conversation that we're going to save for the things that are new in my life. Uh-huh. But, uh, but things are good. We're, we're gearing up for a new release. Yep. That I, I don't even know if I've shown you the, the photo of it. Um, but that's coming. The chorus is full steam ahead. We, uh, quick, quick little story. We got a new revision of the circuit board. I'm working with this, this designer and we thought we were changing the part of the circuit that when you put it in vibrato mode, you know, you like kill the, the dry, mm-hmm. that it'll make it not as deep. But what happened was it, it multiplied the speed. <laughs> so uh, here's here's one of the protos. And when, when you flip the switch to go to vibrato mode, it like quadrupled the amount of speed on the speed pot and it turned it into a ring mod. Now, I know everyone's going to say you should do that, but... Um, that was a really funny thing that happened recently that, um, I'm going to share some videos of it cause it's the most <laughs> nightmarish sound, but I don't know. People seem you, to like that, but you posted something on your Instagram of it making a weird noise the other day too. That was just normal vibrato mode in a chorus, uh, like, which is people don't understand like this thing for a CE2, if you kill the dry signal and just do pure vibrato, it's like, <laughs> it's so like much, um, but we're trying to tame that. So that's the goal, but things are moving on at a pace and we're, we're having a, we're having a great time over here at Mythos HQ. How's, how's Retshell Industries? Pretty good. Pretty good. We, uh, it was Tilly's birthday and our anniversary last week, the birth anniversary. And, uh, so we went to Denver, Colorado to go see one Gary Clark Jr. Uh, at Red Rocks, which was super cool. Um, friend Eric Zapata hooked us up and, and got us out there. And while I was there, I, uh, got a, how do I show this properly? Got a tattoo. Oh yeah. Can you see that? Yeah. Yeah. Well, you're in potato mode for me, but that's okay. Uh, yeah. The viewers well, at home will yeah, love it. For viewers at home, I'm slipping to hell on a greasy board, y'all. <laughs> uh, so something I've wanted to do for a really, really long time, like 12, 15 years, and uh, found a really great artist named uh, Wes Hoffman in Denver and uh, did this this traditional style speed girl um, with a magnolia on the helmet. And so I love it. First tattoo. Uh, first experience getting one, and mm-hmm. it hurt not gonna lie like yeah it took about four hours to do um and the first two and a half hours were fine it was like the outline stuff was like oh this is not bad like okay yes it hurts it sucks but i'm fine like whatever it feels like someone's taking a piece of like broken glass and like scraping your skin with it whatever (laughs) and then uh and then the shading started and Mm. yeah towards the end there i was i was kind of seeing stars um when he was doing the shading on like the helmet and everything i was like okay now now we're we need to wrap this up but um yeah so it's healing up looks good excited and um what else oh got to ride in a steam locomotive a hundred year old steam locomotive i saw Um, that yeah so there's a uh there's a gentleman named mark huber who has a youtube channel called heiss h-y-c-e um and he's a guitar player he follows uh my channel and and this podcast and everything and he saw that we were in denver and sent me a dm and was like hey man if you want to come ride in a steam train come by the colorado railroad museum and tilly and i both were like hell yeah and uh mark is super cool he he is like works at this railroad museum just outside of denver and uh he run he's a train conductor running Mm -hmm. and maintaining a hundred plus year old steam locomotives and 
dude, I'm not joking. I'm not exaggerating. It is legitimately one of the coolest things I've ever experienced in my life. Being able to ride in the cab while they're, you know, shoveling coal into the the boiler. And he's like wrestling with all these giant levers and valves and like kicking this. It was like this choreographed wrestling match with this giant, just steam driven monster. And the smell and the sound and the feeling of it was so wild, genuinely if you're around the Denver area ever, I would highly recommend going to that museum, Colorado Railroad Museum. It is fun, not just for kids and not just for old people. Like it's <laughs> it's cool. It is legitimately cool. So uh, that's yeah. typically the crowd, the crowd you find at a railroad. Museum. It was and that was the crowd represented there the day of it was like a lot of kids and a lot of old mm-hmm. old gentlemen who were, you know, into their their trains and stuff. But uh, honestly, I Tilly and I both had a blast. So uh, yeah, thanks to Mark for that. Heiss, H-Y-C-E, I think 777 on YouTube. And it's cool because he he works in the shop like repairing and restoring all these old trains and he makes YouTube videos about it. So if you're interested in that kind of stuff, go check out his, his channel. So yeah. that's, that's very cool. The, the only awesome. time I've been to like a train museum, I think we were in like Chattanooga or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, there were there were a few like, kids there that little bit older kids but they knew a lot about trains and they were like asking me questions like do you know what model this is and like i don't have no it's a train you know and like they were very much into it and it's just funny it's funny like witnessing the fandom that exists and all these other things that you know like me or i know nothing about i mean i know how a train i know i, I know kind of how it works yeah but that's about it <laughs> You know? Actually, um, yeah, he's here in the Discord chat right now. Oh, perfect. Um, yeah. So, Mark, I didn't realize you were uh, you were a patron. Uh, speaking of Patreon, if you'd like to support the show, join our Patreon. Uh, there's a whole list of uh, features and and special uh, access to like our Discord channel, so you can listen to the episodes live while recording them. Like we've got a nice crowd here. Uh, special Discord server for patron uh, patrons only. So, um, yeah, great way to support the show. If you like what we do here, link is in the description box. That's right. And a big thanks to our sponsor of this episode. We got Stumac yet again. And this time they've asked us to talk about the fear of working on your own instruments. And, you know, I think when you're getting in to guitar, uh, just restringing a guitar can be quite mm-hmm. intimidating. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I remember very early on, I bought uh, one of Dan Erlewine's books on ba- like basic guitar repair and it just t- teaching me how to, you know, adjust a bridge and replace a tuner and those sort of things. Just knowing those basic things is such a handy skill set to have, especially if you're a gigging musician, because yeah. the moment something can break, it will. But Stumac has all the tools, uh, all the know-how and um, everything you need to get over that fear by doing it. And I recently, I, I could have used some more tools for this because uh, I recently had to set up this behemoth that I, I just got, <laughs> and it has a Floyd Rose on it, <laughs> which everyone moans about like setting up a Floyd Rose, like it's the most terrifying thing you could possibly do on a guitar. It's not, but uh, yeah, having the right tools to do this job is a necessity. So yeah. check it out. Stumac.com slash dipped in tone. You get 10% off your order and um, get some stuff and start working on your own gear. Yeah. Start, start 
smooth and, and easy and simple, right? Yeah. Changing strings, polishing frets, uh, then some basic setup work. You know, you need to know how to confidently and correctly adjust your truss rod, set your intonation, set your action, your string height, all that kind of stuff. Because those are things that, especially if you're a new player, you may not realize that your guitar, as the sh- seasons change, the setup and, and all these tolerances on the guitar will change with it because it's a piece of wood. It is susceptible to changes in temperature and humidity and on all these different things. So you need to be able to do some of these minor adjustments yourself because you don't want to have to take your guitar into the shop every single time it needs a neck adjustment or, or if you're changing string gauges and you need to redo the intonation or anything like that. That kind of stuff is simple and it's a good way to get into working on your own guitar while getting over that fear then maybe try changing your pickups out and maybe try swapping pots or swapping capacitors get a soldering iron and learn the basics of of soldering technique um and it is soldering it's not soldering for our uh our friends over on the pond so just a gentle reminder that we drive on the right side of the road correct side of the road so we also uh, say things correctly oh man you're firing shots (laughs) (laughs) well so this guitar uh and then a recent acquisition of yours has inspired a bit of this conversation that that we're going to have today so um tell us about that guitar what is that okay so i went to guitars to be played which is a shop here in nashville they have a bunch of fano stuff but they also have ltd and esp guitars and this is the ltd kh602 this is the kirk hammett signature model this is his standard import version of kirk's guitar um and so i've liked metallica pretty much my whole guitar playing life Mm -hmm. and i've always wanted one of these and be, being working next to Matthew Timmons, who is he has a Metallica tattoo, like he's he's into Metallica. Um, he just will light a fire under you sometimes, and, yeah. like inadvertently. But I had just fallen back in love with you know Kill 'Em All, Ride the Lightning, Master of Puppets, and wanted to learn some of that stuff. Right. And just I always wanted one of these, and I went and played one. And I really, I really fell in love with it and like it. So I got it a, a little over a week ago Mm -hmm. um and it has totally kick-started my love of guitar again which is i think the 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 crux of what we're going to talk about today or at least part of it yeah 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 and then my side of the story is a new amp acquisition Mm -hmm. uh i got the soldano slo 100 head and the matching 412 cabinet uh i did not purchase it soldano sent it to me Uh, And I'm making a video about it on my channel. I reached out to them actually and asked because I've, A, I've wanted that in for a long time, but B, the story of the SLO and Mike Soldano is actually really interesting. And that's what I want to talk about in the video about how, because in many ways he was kind of one of the first boutique amp builders around LA in the mid eighties. And when that SLO hit the scene, it really kind of shook things up for the LA session guys and ended up on a, a ton of records so really interesting story there but same thing um i've got it sitting here on my sidecar and i've got a really long speaker cable run down into my live room down two flights of stairs and uh because it's 100 watts but i'm playing it and i've got it mic'd up and yeah same thing like i've just been playing a lot more guitar this week because that amp has got me fired up yeah and so i had have you ever you played the did you play an SLO when we were at Gearfest? 
Uh-huh. I've played them a couple times. Okay. Uh, it, local shop to me, Atlanta Discount Music used to be, no, or still is a Soldano dealer. And, and I've played them off and on, but I've never gigged with one. I've never, outside of a shop, I've I've never played one. So having it at home and actually like really pushing it, it's, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, so I have the SLO 30 because right. I thought, why in God's name do I need a 100 watt <laughs> Soldano? And the 30 watt is, it's so loud. It is yeah. so loud. And one of the things I like most about that amp, and I'm I'm sure that the 100 has a similar thing, is all the controls. And this is like the thing I look for in most amps. Every single knob does something. Yes. And especially the presence and the depth knob on those amps. The, I, I don't know if I've ever heard an amp that has more bass uh-huh. than an SLO. It yeah, is crazy. It's got that that thud thing that we talk about the big amps do uh and even the 30 watt has that kick not as much as the 100 though and you're right like the eq every single control on the front panel of that amplifier there is legitimately wide sweep and to me i think that's the the sign of a really well-designed circuit and a well-designed tone stack where and not just you have a lot of control but every sound is usable like even Mm -hmm. with the controls at their extremes all the way off all the way on it's still a usable sound it's not outside the realm of usability whereas some you know sometimes with with older marshals or or voxes or other types of amplifiers there's kind of a range where it sounds good and you can sort of move around in that range but it's like tim pierce always likes to say an amplifier does one thing well and and it's just known for that thing well the the slo as well as a few other amps but the slo i think and the reason it hit the market and made such waves in the eighties was it's kind of three different amps in one. It's great clean amp. does really great edge of breakup, like crunch sort of pushed sounds. And then the overdrive circuit, the overdrive channel is monstrous. Sounds amazing. So yeah. Is, is that, is the drive, the overdrive side, is that something that you would use? Cause like I, I use it with like this, <laughs> Or if I'm if I'm just playing chugs, but I find that the normal channel when it's in the crunch mode, because the clean mode is it's like not JC120, but it is crystalline clean. Yeah, yeah. It's very clean. Very clean. Um, I feel like the crunch mode has enough gain for most people. It it works for me. If I ever take that amp out live, it will allow me to not have to have any kind of overdrive. Or maybe even boost on my board. Yeah. Because the the overdrive channel is the overdrive sound that I would go for. I mean, it's like it, it, it's because the thing is with the overdrive pedals, that's what they're trying to emulate. They're trying to sound like an amp pushed and in, in natural sort of amp distortion and breakup, whether or not it's an amp in a box pedal or, or whatever. It's kind of like what you're going for within certain uh, within reason. But yeah, for me with the SLO, it's like, I would just have the, the channel switcher, the foot control, the foot switch. That's what I'm trying to say. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I would just use that instead of an overdrive. And then I have maybe a fuzz on the board and maybe a boost on the board. And that would be it. But I've and been it, working it, on a track for the video with it. And yeah, yeah I haven't, I, I've got, uh, one of the, the new UA pedals, um, in the loop and that's the only pedal I'm using with it. Yeah. We, we run the, the boss, uh, space echo in our, in our loop, but, but I think, this whole thing, this whole idea that, and, 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 and all of this to say, you don't have to go buy new gear to get inspired, but sometimes you're going to find a piece of something. I mean, like granted, this is like, like the SLO, the hundred, I mean, even the 30, it's not cheap. 
No. Um, these guitars are like fourteen hundred bucks mm-hmm. new. This was actually a blem and had a few little, uh, little marks, which like I don't care. Um, and so I got it for a really good price. But granted, this is like not that expensive for a guitar these mm-hmm. days. And all it has made me want to do is attack my instrument and play, play stuff that I haven't played and just get better. Even at the, the you know, just playing Metallica riffs is not, it's not going to improve. Uh, you wouldn't think that it would improve every other aspect of my guitar playing, but the fact that I'm just spending time and really focusing on my time, because mm-hmm. to play any of those things, you've got to be locked in, um, has just made me really focus on my picking more and my accuracy more. Yeah. But it's just made me so much more excited about touching all of my guitars. And that's the thing that I think most people, we, we get in this rut of, I need a new pedal to make a new sound or whatever. And we forget the whole play aspect. And it's all down to these tweaking and these like sound things, which I know is fun and, and, it, and it has value. But I think that so often we lose track of why we picked up these instruments in the first place. And something like this or anything that can take you to that place are the most valuable pieces of equipment in your collection. And that's weird to say that something like this compared to like my, you know, my R9 or or any of my other, you know, what most people would consider like dream level instruments mm-hmm. would inspire me to play guitar more is it seems a bit opposite. But I think so often people just forget that, that it is about having fun. Yeah. I was, I was just going to say like, are you having fun? Yeah. <laughs> okay. That's that's it. Because, you know, I think our perspective on this is a little bit different than probably a good portion of our listeners because for us, this is our job. Guitar is our yeah. job and has been for years and years. And so it, when whenever you make something your career, even if it's something that you love, like music, you know, it, it changes your relationship with it because it's your job. You're relying on that thing for your income. And I still wouldn't trade it for the world, but I don't play guitar much to like unwind and have fun because for me, playing guitar is something that I do for a video or for a gig or for a recording session. Like after we get done with this, I've got a, an artist coming over and that I've, I've been working with and we're going to start working on a new song for her and start producing some stuff for her. So it's like, that's work. I love it. Absolutely love what I do but it's still work. So for me, my escape, my hobby is bikes, mountain biking, road biking, all that kind of stuff. And I can understand what you're saying about the guitar thing, because, you know, getting a new bike can kind of do the same thing. Like, man, I want to go ride. Now I'm going to like get on my bike and ride for the next however, however long. And it does happen for me too, with, with like that amp, like this amp is so different than anything else that I have in my amp collection that just spending time like learning it and exploring it and just seeing what it would do was so fun. Like, okay, well, how well, can I get this kind of sound out of it? Like how hard can I push the clean channel? How, how clean can the dirty channel get? How much bass is there in this circuit? How much, how bright can I get it? Like what happened? How does the sound in the effects loop? All these different things. It's exciting to me because it's like, Oh, cool. Now I have this new tool in my toolbox that does something different than anything else in my toolbox. And then it's giving me ideas for, Oh, well actually, you know, cause I like to write tracks for these videos. So it's like, man, dude, I, like I got this, I was playing my, my, uh, tele custom, which is set up an open G and 
I dialed up a sound that is straight up Black Crow's uh, Shake Your Money Maker, like first Black Crow's album. And so the track I'm writing is very, very like early 90s Atlanta Southern rock Black Crow's kind of thing. Because in my time spent screwing around with the amp, I found the sound was like, oh shit, this is this is different. Like this, none of my other amps really do it this way, you know. Uh, yeah. And that's exciting. I love that. Yeah, it, it. I you bring up a really good point that I, when I'm speaking about getting excited about guitar, I'm speaking from my bubble. And like, you know, because the people that I talk to the most are like you and yep. other people who do this every day. And so it's it's really easy to forget that the majority of people are excited about playing guitar <laughs> yeah. uh, and, and liking this stuff. Because, you know, it's funny. Matthew the other day said, you know, I think I'm just kind of over having a bunch of pedals. You know, mm -hmm. I, I kind of just want to I just want to plug into an amp. I'm like, I get it. That's all I want to do. Yeah. But it, it it's. It, it's so important, I think, to have these conversations about play. And we've talked about this a lot about, you know, actually finding the value in the thing that you're doing for like just the sheer enjoyment of it. Mm -hmm. Because I don't know, like I, I sit back and think, how much time have I spent trying to do this? Yeah. How many years of my life, the majority of my life has been spent in pursuit of getting better at this thing? and sometimes it bums me out when I'm playing games or, or doing other things that aren't related to this music thing, because, um, I feel like I'm doing myself in this, this, this endeavor I've imparted and gone on in my life, a disservice mm. because I haven't taken, I don't take the time every day just to practice a scale or anything or to learn anything new, which is, I mean, we're, we're all guilty of that, no matter what level you're at or where you are. But, but what is that – I find that that kind of thing comes in seasons yeah. for me. Whereas like, yeah, I, right now I'm in a season of – I'm not practicing much. I'm not playing much guitar. Uh, and I know how you feel because I still struggle with that too. It's like, oh, man, I'm playing Call of Duty right now. I, I could be like practicing something or writing something. But no, I'm I'm doing that because I've worked – all day and I need something that's going to allow me to turn my brain off and unwind and for better or for worse whenever I'm playing guitar that's not the thing for me that allows me to turn my brain off and unwind because when I'm playing guitar there's always an angle I'm either like writing something or I'm practicing for something or I'm trying to come up with an idea for a video or I'm trying out a piece of gear that I'm going to use in a video like there's always an angle mm -hmm. and after a a full day of that i just want to do something that there is no angle like go ride my bike or go play call of duty or or you know whatever that is so i understand where you're coming from but i don't think you should feel bad uh for that reason and for the fact that you're gonna be playing guitar for the rest of your life you don't have to like I get hope. it all down <laughs> right now you don't have to like learn it all right now i think i come from a different I mean, like, I definitely, I, no, I, you're totally right. And I definitely need those, like, reprieves from my mind from guitar. But there have been, like, when when I went and got my diagnosis about my hand, like, not having a joint, like, physically not existing. Yeah. Um, She, the doctor said, you know, it, it may get worse. And mm. I thought, oh, geez, does that mean 
one day this is just going to seize up and it's just going to stop. And that really bummed me out for a long time that I had this, I mean, an obvious handicap, but to think that there is a limit. I mean, guitarists, let's face it, we face, you know, uh, problems with our hands, with arthritis, with carpal tunnel and things like, you know, anything, if, if your wrist or your fingers get messed up, you're done. Yeah. Um, unless you want to, you know, learn a completely different way. But that really kind of made me lose a lot of interest because my wrist would hurt. And, and it, cause after my little injury, when we moved, it just made me not want to play. Yeah. And I found with this, which is crazy, I, I spent just a solid three days. The family was out of town. I just did nothing but um, play play guitar and, and just take care of the house. Um, the pain started to go away. Mm-hmm. And so I actually was strengthening strengthening my, my hand, which I hadn't done really for years because all of my focus has been spent on this. Yeah. You know, it's just like, oh, let's, let's work on some, some of that. Cool. Shall we uh, dip a rig? Let's do it. I got one. Uh, let me pull it up. Boom, 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 boom. There we go. Oh. Okay. So uh, this is Mr. Christopher Bean's rig. And uh, he's got some he's got some stuff that appeals to 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 both of us. I, think. I like this. <laughs> so he's got a 2020 uh, Gibson 335 um, uh, Novo Ceres T in copper sparkle. He's got a two uh, two rock Studio Pro uh, 35 in, in in a cab. He said he built a matching one by twelve, so that's cool. Oh, that's cool. Um, and his pedal board, uh, I didn't pick this because all the Mythos stuff, but there's some good Mythos sure, stuff on there. Sure, sure, sure. He's got a Polytune. He's got the Mythos 1347, the Kingtone Duelist, a Wildwood Mjolnir, the Walrus Arp uh, Delay, and a Monument Tremolo. And then, uh, of course, the Two-Rock has any amount of reverb He's ne- he uh, would need, but he says uh, he's open to suggestions. But I don't know, man. Like. I, uh, well, I don't, yeah, I, mm, okay. I mean, guitar wise, even the pedal board's cool looking. <laughs> yeah. I, I, that's a perfect combo right there. That's a 335 and a Sarah's T with a German carve, by the way. That's right. That is a, uh, is that a, a Dennis? Is that a signature? You can, or you, you used to be able to order a German carve as an okay. option. So, okay. yeah. God, that, that Sarah's T, that sparkle copper finish is killer. It's hot. It's hot. <sighs> Love it. Um, 335. I mean, come on. It, you just can't. This is kind of, at least for me, this is like the ideal guitar uh, combo right here. Yeah. Um, the pedal board. I mean, dude, it looks great. The pedal board itself looks great. Yeah. It has a neat like paisley colored print on it. You've got all the bases covered. You've got your a great fuzz. You've got the Duelist, which that's the, is that the two tube screamers in the box? I can't no, It's a tube screamer and a blues breaker. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. So great. Um, the Mjolnir, great. And then, so, okay. If I was going to, to, if I had to pick apart something on the board, I feel like the Tube Screamer, Blues Breaker, and Klon are kind of a little, I think you could cut one of those gain stages. Obviously, I'm going to say cut the Tube Screamer, <laughs> keep the, the, Mjolnir and keep the uh, Bluesbreaker side of the Duelist, but uh, I don't know, man. It, otherwise, I, th- I think it all depends on how you're using. Like, because if if the signal flow is 
what we think it is here. It looks like the the Mjolnir's after the duelist. So maybe he's using it as just a, like a solo bump because it doesn't appear when I zoom in. Let's see. Oh yeah, he's got the gain. Um, oh what? I didn't even know I could do this. I've got like a like a magnifying glass in my computer. Um, he's got the gain very, really low. Yeah, yeah. So it's a boost. So he's just boosting. So it's yeah. probably just like a solo thing. Um, and uh, yeah, it looks like he has the drive. Hard to tell on 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 the right side of the duelist, but the left side, which is the I believe the bluesbreaker side, is pretty low. So he's probably just kind of like slowly building up the gain stages. So um, okay. it's not like. Sure. I mean, it's, it's, it's a very, like, it's hard to find something to nitpick here. I was just trying to find something. And then the, the amp. So I used one of those in London, uh, the Mm -hmm. studio pro 35 shout out to Luke Bowman in London, who loaned me his, his two rock for the gig, uh, because of Brexit, we couldn't bring our amps into the country from the Netherlands, which was so much fun. Um, but that was my first two rock experience, um, gigging one. And honestly, man, so I, I talked to Eli last week for a while. I've got a two rock on the way. Um, and one of the things I told him was when I used it, that Studio Pro on the gig, we were playing like a 200 cap club and it was a small stage. So I, I had the the master volume pretty low and I was pushing the, the preamp stage and it still reacted and felt like three-dimensional which is a sign of a great master volume circuit because a lot of times when you bring the master down and you push the preamp the amp can get kind of thin and farty and and doesn't really hold together and doesn't hold the hold up the pedals well but that two rock sounded phenomenal um so yeah i'm a fan yeah i mean the only thing my only nitpick and this is just because mckinley had a saris t uh is that because the of how they wire up the pot because they're using like a, a 500k pot so that the neck pickup's right enough. Um, cause it's a P45. It's not really a P90. It's like a lower wind. It might have only one magnet instead of two. Um, it, you still have like a, there's a pretty big disparity in the voicing mm-hmm. between the neck and the bridge. So the bridge is pretty, um, pokey. Mm-hmm. But one thing that we did, uh, McKinley was like, can you, you know, mod this? You can take a resistor, and put it um, from that terminal on the like the bridge, like hot wire, like the hot from the pickup on on the switch. That terminal uh, to ground, and it, I think it's just like a you put like a four hundred and seventy k resistor, and what that'll do is let your it, it, the pickup will think that the potentiometer, the volume pod, is like two fifty k. So it. it'll take off a little bit of high end without losing volume. So that it's a little bit softer when you click down to the bridge, because that's the last thing you want is like have this big fat kind of like mellow neck sound and then click down to a bridge. And it's just like Albert Collins, you know, taking your head off sort of thing, man. I, I think I got to give this a 10. Really? Yeah, this is, this is a killer, killer rig. It's the right size. The pedal board is nice and compact. You've got two guitars. You could you could carry that whole rig into a venue in two trips. If you had a, a dual gig bag, you could get the head, the board, the guitars in, and then go back and grab the cab, and you're going to have a killer sounding, powerful rig. Uh, yeah, by ten. I want to give it a nine point nine, just to be different. 
because you do that resistor mod, then it's a 10. Okay. Because right. I'm just that, I can't, like, I'm so weird about <laughs> those sort of things. Dude, what a, yeah. What a but great rig. What Way a to go, Chris. Ringer rig. Cool. All right. We, so, uh, we're we ready to shill. We're going to shill, baby. You want to go shill. first? Yeah. My, my shill is a little bit different. Um, it's not a guitar. It's not a pedal. It's not even guitar related. It is oh. a bag. Oh. So, yeah. This is, um, I'm kind of a sucker for like bags and backpacks and things like this. And I bought this last week on a whim. It's a company called F stop. Um, and I needed a, a camera bag that was a little bit smaller than the bag I was using and, you know, and everything. And this is it. It's like water resistant canvas with these zippers on the side. And it has a like organizer thing that runs down the middle that you put all your camera gear in. So there's that side and then you can run, you know, the other side, same kind of thing. Um, cameras, lenses, got my sweatshirt in here, whatever. And then there's a laptop sleeve in the back. There's a big sleeve up here in the front for your chargers and everything. And the thing I like about it is it's roll top, which is cool uh, because it can kind of be expandable. So you just undo this and like the bag can kind of get that much bigger, mm -hmm. basically. Um, so yeah, I'm a sucker for this kind of stuff. If you're traveling with cameras and electronics and all that kind of stuff, like many of us are nowadays, this this bag does not suck. And it's uh, really lightweight. And it stands up on its own, which is something my old camera bag would not do. Every time you'd set it down, it would just fall over on its face. Um, so, yeah. That's very cool. Camera bag. I, I bought one of the Adam Savage, um, like, his bags. Is like oh, they have like he had bags. Yeah, it's like a duffel sort of crossbody bag that uh, is made from old sails. Oh shit, that's cool. It's super cool. All right, but my shill is gear related, and it's hey, a brown, brown box. box. Uh, nice. I connected with the brown box folks, the AmpRX folks, um, and they brought me one by to uh, to use and to talk about because uh, I've preached the 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 usefulness of these things for ages. But if you don't know, basically um, if you are using an old amp or an amp that is sensitive to power, uh, what this does, it will read the voltage coming out of the wall. And then you can basically attenuate that voltage and adjust it to where the amp will operate in its optimal voltage. Mm -hmm. So vintage amps, um, typically stuff from the seventies and back, uh, there wasn't 120 volts coming out of the wall. There yep. was supposed to be 110. Yeah. Uh, so most amps, you really should run them. You set this to where it reads about 115, mm -hmm. and then your amp will run about 112. It'll be the draw, and it'll sound better. It'll save your caps. It'll save your tubes. It'll save your transformers. It's worth the investment of of one of these. And the, the, I, I don't know if they're still making the smaller one. Yeah. Uh, but the the this is the big boy, the brown box, and it's really awesome. So yeah. It's uh, Must you have. should you should have something, especially if you do have old amps. You should have something to test the power or to to monitor the voltage coming out of your wall. Mine, luckily, maybe it's because my house is old. My house is about fifty years old, but I'm seeing on my Furman power conditioner right now. I'm getting one twelve out of the wall, mm. and that's consistent. You know, it peaks around one fifteen. But um, yeah, if you're if you're running my version of that is a just a very a variac. I got a variac yeah. on eBay, and I don't like my AC thirty. I only run it through the variac. Um, and the other thing I like about the variac is 
like the other day I plugged up my AC30 for a video and I hadn't turned it on in a few months. And so I just turned it down, turned the Variac down, flipped the amp on and then slowly brought the voltage up. Mm-hmm. So it's not to just like slam the caps with, with voltage going into the amp. Um, right. Yeah. Well, the, something to be aware of. That, that's very important. The only downside of some Variacs is I can actually go above. Mm-hmm. Um, so if, someone knocks it and oftentimes not all of them but some of them just have like a like a needle sort of mm-hmm. vu style meter and those aren't always accurate um mm. when i was at my time at carter drink drink um they they had a very act for testing things but they always 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 checked it with a meter because it would say one thing and they would meter out at something else but carter there would be times when they were doing construction and power would spike to like 130 volts and so w- there were many amps that died because people didn't know and plugged it right into the wall. But these became a requirement. And I think, yeah, if you have any vintage amp, you have to have a um, some sort of Variac. But this, just because it has the screen, mm-hmm. um, and it's it's kind of foolproof. You can yeah, really easily. Yeah, you can't overcook it. And, no, yeah. you can't go pat. You can't go up. Yeah. Uh, it's worth having. But yeah. Nice. So again, thanks to all our patrons over on patreon if you want to join up with uh with the we never gave them an official name i call them the dipsters but that's just uh, we we were kicking around uh the other one for a while (laughs) the one yeah yeah which i still like more colorful one yeah yeah i know it's not a good call but i still i think it's funny yeah uh yeah we haven't named them yet Maybe maybe they'll just name themselves. Yeah, they mean that. that, Yeah, if you if you want to join up, uh, get access to our Discord (laughs) and everything. You guys can collectively decide what your name is is, but you can check out all the membership tiers and support the show. And uh, and also thanks to our sponsor Stumac. Again, go to stumac.com/slash dipped in tone. You can get ten percent off your order and check out all that gear you need to start setting up, working on your guitars. Don't be afraid of it. Um, Just don't don't put a drill to it. But yeah, yeah. Everything else, if it's a hand tool, go slow, measure mm-hmm. twice, cut once, and you're going to be okay, and they're going to help you get through it. Absolutely. So, well, cool. That's going to do it for today's episode. We'll uh, catch y'all real soon on the next one. See ya. See ya.